1: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro.
0: I ain't that old, fam. <laughs>
1: you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: You are listening to The Uncontested. An Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast Featuring Jacob All you haters come at me Taylor You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo Upgrade your baby mama to a condo Nick I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete Kamiar I just
3: got done taking a nap And Justin I'm too fast What is up Thunder fans? Welcome to The Uncontested. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us on any social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. So go follow us on any of your favorite social media sites. You can also find us anywhere you download your podcasts. Please go do that. Drop a five-star rating while you're at it. And you can find us on bluewirepods.com, a great podcast network with more NBA podcasts coming every week. So make sure you go follow Blue Wire. Uh, you can find them at BlueWirePods.com, also at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. We've got the trio here for
2: you tonight on this uh, pre-Thanksgiving Sunday. We've got Taylor along with me. Guys, I have some unfortunate news that I learned today. I'm a little disheartened. The Chiefs play the Raiders at 325 <laughs> next weekend, next Sunday. Okay. Winner of that essentially wins the division. This is a huge game. But the thunder play at 4 against the Pelicans. I don't know what I'm going to do. This should be illegal in all 50 states. I need help. That's uh two TVs, bro. It's fine. I was going to say on, I'll yes. pull up I'll, I'll, I'll get the two d- TVs going. That's Maybe a laptop. That's the most major.
3: American thing ever to bust out the two TVs. That's so what true. I
4: did during the so OU Iowa State game when I had oh, to and the thunder played um, cover the pod yeah. for
3: uh
2: yeah
4: played it the warriors was, uh, I think when
2: the 10th times they played them so far this season. Uh,
3: I think I did that too. I think I did that too. Um for that Iowa State game. Well yeah. that other voice you heard that was Justin. Well hey y'all.
2: Sorry Justin, I kind of took over <laughs> your intro there. I <laughs> am uh,
3: Jacob if you didn't already know that. Uh, hey guys, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to hit on some thunder stuff. We got a lot of thunder stuff to chat about. We are going to take a trip Across the street from the peak, and talk about the OKC Blue. We're gonna give out one month in NBA awards. We're gonna talk Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, Sixth Man, Depoy, Coach of the Year, MVP, all that good stuff. And you know we can't get out of this podcast before we talk about some Thanksgiving stuff. I don't know. I don't know how to Stuffing, describe it. Maybe. Oh, uh, there you go. Here, here, you, you ready for a little teaser? Our Thanksgiving thing we're gonna do is overrated, underrated. And Justin just mentioned one of the most overrated things at Thanksgiving. Wow. There okay. you go. Uh, yeah. Sorry,
4: guys. I'm not going to be able to attend the rest of this pod. <laughs> See ya. Well, uh, Justin has signed Bye. off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the question right,
4: is, is it stuffing or dressing? Both are bad.
3: Well, so let's talk about the Thunder. <laughs> this past week, the Thunder played basically an L.A.-themed schedule. Clippers, Lakers. Lakers again, first two as a back-to-back out in La La Land, the third on a Friday night here in Oklahoma City. Thunder go 0 and 3 in all three of those games, which I think was kind of expected. They play the the Clippers and the Lakers are probably the two best teams in the Western Conference right now, but those three games combined, they lost by what less than 10 points.
4: Competitive tanking, y'all.
3: Competitive <laughs> Let's tanking. Go. so so let's just start off with with kind of a review of this previous week what did you guys see from the team against Clippers Lakers Lakers Um, the good the bad the ugly just kind of lay it all out to bear what what are what are some thoughts and some feelings we have I'll, I'll kind of kick us off here and say I think we finally saw what Steven Adams is supposed to be this year. Yes. On Friday night. Thank goodness agree. Um, I didn't get to watch Friday night game Friday night's game live. I had to watch the replay. Um and, and watching it, I I knew Steven Adams line, but I was interested like, how did he look, right? The, the the stat line doesn't tell the story. How does he play? And I went in and I watched and he looked really, really good. He looked maybe as spry as I've seen him all season. Yep. Uh, great passing, uh, rebounded decently, finished at the rim. Uh, no, I mean a couple little floaters and stuff. But, I mean he was dunking the ball. He was getting up. He was actually jumping. the The free throw stroke looked good. Like it physically, I felt like it was the best I've seen from Stephen. And I felt like they focused on him a lot. He took ten shots, which is I feel like more than he's taken all year. I don't have stats in front of me. It feels but, that way. Yeah. yeah, He just he looked good. He looked real it's like, good. Um, what's that, that little video, um, maybe from, it's from Jersey shore or whatever, but it's that like crazy tan buff dude saying,
2: you look good. You look good. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm laughing, but you're, that's yeah, what you're
3: I, right. I, I feel like if I was in the, in the post game scrum that night, that's what I would have said to Steven. You
2: just play him.
4: That,
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> I think going into that game, you know, it was pretty shortly before tip off that they announced Noel wasn't going to play. So you knew it was gonna be a big opportunity for Adams because coming out of the, the last matchup with the Lakers, you had people clamoring for Noel to get the start. You know, there are people on Thunder Twitter just straight up saying we need to trade Steven Adams and just throw Noel out there because of how well Nerland's Noel played in that first game against the Lakers.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I've been pretty critical about Steven uh on Twitter. Not because I don't like him, I love Stevens. Uh, in the day, I think that the Thunder, if they trade him, um, hopefully they keep him for the rebuild. I think he'd be great for that in that role. Um, but with all that being said, he has not looked like himself, and we have talked a lot about that on this on this podcast. Whether it's mental or physical, I'm not sure. Um, but he looked sharper in both aspects aspects right he looked sharper physically he was jumping which he hasn't really uh, which seems crazy but he really hasn't been jumping that well um i feel like that I, at least that i've noticed over since the beginning of the season um, that makes me think that the injury factor was definitely right. so there's a, a physical, big piece of it right exactly a physical
4: aspect of that which i think makes me feel better about his performance this season cuz if it's true if it was you know, part physical and part mental, which it may still be, uh, the mental part could be more difficult to overcome. I mean, look at a guy like – exact Extreme example, but like what Markel Foltz was for a long time or even like some of the stretches that a guy like Terrence Ferguson goes it, through on the – Andre, Robertson,
2: uh, when was, Andre Robertson when he was – when he was example. But um, no, I'm exactly with you. Uh, but even mentally, I, you know what? I think those kind of feed off each other because he was better physically, right? And he started off well, so I think that kind of fed the rest of his game, fed the rest of of the the evening for him. Um, He was sharper with his passes. He was sharper with his shots. Just everything looked better from Steven. And I think that's a really good point, uh, Justin. I think both those kind of feed off each other. Anything else from this past week that really jumps off the page, either positive or negative for you guys? So uh, I think, the honestly, the only thing I think I have right now, um, and it's actually a very big positive, and I, I should have pulled this up before the podcast, and I haven't. But it seemed to, to me that there was a new player that ste- or a new player or two that stepped up for each game. It wasn't Chris Paul having a great week. It wasn't Shea having a great week. It wasn't any single player having a great week or stretch of games. It was a new player stepping up each game with somebody else stepping up and playing well also, Um, even after maybe a poor game. Like, Shea kind of struggled against the Clippers. Uh, He kind of struggled against the Lakers the second game. His third game was incredible. Um, Gallo, he really struggled against his former team, the Clippers, but played a great two games against the Lakers. Um, Obviously, Steven. Has had a rough first stretch of the season, like we just mentioned, and he played great this last game against the Lakers on Friday. It seemed like a new guy was stepping up each game, and I think that kind of shows the depth of this team, but also um, kind of gives you something to root for as a Thunder fan. You know, like there's no Russell Westbrook or Paul George who just is going to take over. It's going to be a new guy each game with another guy, like a Basley or a Hami or a Ferguson, who's going to step up with him. And that's been a lot of fun for me, at least uh, personally.
4: That's- it's been interesting because it's totally different. And you kind of just mentioned this without Russ or PG. I mean, how many games did the Thunder win where Russ and PG had a bad game? Very few. <laughs> it, it's a, it's probably a really small number. But now, you know, I don't know who you want to determine as the best two players on the Thunder right now. But I think there's been a handful of times where, you know, they've looked good in spite of their two best players not playing well because different people step up. And it's a totally different feel to the team
2: yeah no definitely and then um just as teams fight and will in general you know it really kind of gives you something as a fan to kind of uh fight or kind of get behind right and and root for for example i think the best example of this i can think of and this is kind of recency bias but uh, the first thing that pops up to me uh, from this this past week of thunder games is against the lakers on friday that third quarter like all the way until like the last what like six seven minutes maybe of the third or if, probably less than that that's not very much <laughs> like the like five or four minutes left in the third thunder were really struggling they were continuing their third quarter woes the uh, lakers went on a huge run they're a great yep. third, third quarter team so far this season they've been playing great in the third quarter and that showed um at that point there was a part of me who just kind of felt like it was over and just i think you cover this game so you know even better than I do yep. but it felt like like oh, this is getting out of hand um yeah
4: the Lakers dropped 28 points in five minutes there it is to start the third quarter <laughs> and they man. were on fire from and three it was they ridiculous. were KCP it, went crazy what was crazy was they were hitting everything from three but it was also the transition game like okay had done a pretty good job to start the game of limiting transition which was an issue the first game against the Lakers in la and they did a pretty good job, but then that third quarter came, and that's where you had the the no-look, behind-the-head kind of touchback between AD and LeBron on the fast break that was all over Twitter. And it just, like you said, Taylor, it felt like this thing's over. But I think that's, that's probably my biggest takeaway is, um, you know, from these three games against arguably two of the best teams in the NBA, two of the top three, four teams in the NBA right now, Oklahoma City was competitive in all three. They were right there. It came down to, you know, a possession in the final minute in every single one of those games, which is super encouraging to see from from this squad that maybe wasn't necessarily supposed to be in that
2: position. I agree completely. It, completely. Because, like I said, that third quarter, I thought it was over. Um, and they they gave it a push, and next thing you know, in the third quarter, they're right back in it. And it came down to the wire again. Uh, and that's just... As a fan, particularly a fan who's not expecting that, I think from this team, who's kind of you know, Thunder fans are kind of anticipating a rebuild. Um, it's really exciting and something kind of kind of stand behind, you know, uh, a team who's willing to fight and uh, exceed expectations. So, yeah, I was excited. hard workers.
3: Two big things that that I kind of took away from this week that I wanted to touch on real quick. Number one is Terrence Ferguson. Like people can bitch all they want about his offensive production and and him not being able to put the ball on the floor. His past three games, who has he defended? Some of the, the best Paul George, the LeBron James, and LeBron James. And did amazing. Yep. He did a damn good job.
2: On yep, all three games.
3: Like my man's given up like fifty pounds to Braun and he's fighting in the post, he's picking him up full court, he's slipping over screens. Yes, LeBron put up huge numbers, but you could just tell like Ferg is making him work, you know. It's lost how good of a defender Ferguson is becoming. Like yep. am, am am I stretching to say Ferg could be like a second team all defensive kind of guy in his career?
2: Not at all. I would I, think, I would say you know, he has the potential of a first team if he can bulk up enough. And that's a big if, but if he can bulk up enough, he could be first team.
3: It's just, it's impressive, man. It's impressive. I know back when
4: Robertson was still a thing, we had a, we had a (laughs) conversation (laughs) about, you know, is Ferguson a better defender than Robertson or can he be a better defender eventually than Robertson? I think that reality is setting in
3: upon us. Oh, that's, I feel like that's a little bit hot. I like it though. I'm not think I he's say I'm there with yet. you yet. Yeah. I'm with yeah but I don't think he's be, there yet, but I think
4: Ferguson in year two better than Robertson in year two. Oh,
3: Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. Agreed. So also,
4: he's side trending that. that direction in my mind. LeBron has I'm sixty pounds on, on
2: Ferg. Um per Google. So sixty my, pounds? He, oh my god. It may, it may not be recent, but per Google, LeBron <laughs> is two fifty and uh T Ferg is one ninety. <laughs> <That's
3: laughs> Taylor, incredible. if we went down to the gym right now and got in a pickup game, and some dude posted you up that way. How much do you weigh, Taylor?
2: I weigh like Getting 170 on the dot, soaking 170 <laughs> wet. 170
3: on the dot? So we get out there to play pickup, and some guy that's 230 <laughs> just turns around and sticks his ass in you and starts backing you down in the post. Do you think
2: you can defend him? I would probably never play the game of basketball ever again. <laughs> At that point, <laughs> that guy might eat me. Dude,
4: <laughs> so this sums up like my my – paltry high school basketball career pretty well. (laughs) I I love this. I feel like in in low level high school basketball teams, you have one of two scenarios for your center, either the really tall skinny kid or the really short fat kid. And if I matched up against another tall skinny kid, it was usually a decent matchup. But if I got put against the short fat kid, I just got bullied around. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, that's how that feels to me. Uh, Uh, That's awesome.
3: That's good. Ferg played great on Paul George, too, though. You know, and, and his his defense is, I think, amongst Thunder fans, sometimes his defense is just criminally underrated. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, my takeaway from the week, is Shea is having ups and downs, and sometimes his stat line doesn't look good, and sometimes he gets in foul trouble, and sometimes this thing happens, and that thing happens. And you know what? As a fan, I am very excited that he's having ups and downs because if he only has ups, where, where does the learning take place? Where does the growth take place? Right. It's just kind of like a life thing, right? That if you're always comfortable and good, you, you are never focused on getting better at something, but with the ups and downs, he can see inconsistencies. He can see places where he can grow places where he can get better places that he can improve. And I, I feel like I say this a lot, but progression isn't linear, it's up and down, right? I mean when you when you look at it from like thirty thousand feet, you want it to be trending upwards. But when you zoom in real close, it's a series of up and downs that are eventually leading you to a better place. And the the growth comes from the struggle with Shea. Yeah. And I feel like he's he started the season hot. He's experienced some struggle. And he is growing and getting better from it. And Absolutely. I think that come February, March, we're going to look and we're going to say, damn, I'm kind of glad that Shea had some struggles in November because he grew from those things and he became a better basketball and player. even further out
2: than that next season.
3: Yeah. Right. yeah.
4: right. Or next, you know, two, two years. three years exactly. down the line. So let me ask a question then. What do you think is his biggest weakness that was kind of revealed this last week? That's a great question.
3: Yeah, that is a really good question. Um I think a few things. I think he I love his his smoothness. I love how he just kind of coasts across the court whenever he drives in. Um I think we've seen pretty consistently now though he struggles to finish against big shot blocking guys like JaVel McGee, like Dwight Howard, um guys guys of, of that caliber. And so I think one thing that he can continue to work on is either drawing fouls on those guys yep. um, and, and finishing against bigger guys like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also sometimes Definitely. he, he has such a high defensive ceiling and sometimes he leaves a little to be desired for me defensively. Um, and, and I think there were times this, this week where I saw him struggle defensively and then times where I saw him like, I'm not going to take this bullshit anymore. I'm going like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting tough and I'm getting aggressive. And I think when you get aggressive Shea defensively, I, I saw it a few times on Friday night when uh, he got switched onto LeBron and LeBron would try to post him up and Shea was trying to get physical with him and push him and jump in front of the passing lane on the entry pass and stuff. I think aggressive pissed off Shay is a good defender, and I think other times Shea can kind of be passive defensively, and I'd like to see more aggressive Shay. And I I think that's a place that he can grow, and hopefully that's something that they can show on film. Hey, look, right here, you just kind of went through the motions. Now on this next play, you got aggressive, and look at how much better defense you played.
2: Jake, if you that's nailed it. that on the head? Yeah. And to answer your question, Justin, I think the only thing I would add, add on to that is for him to keep that aggression on the other end of the floor, and that's extremely hard for a second-year player playing with Chris Paul and Gallinari. And, I mean, Stephen Adams maybe doesn't count, but guys who demand the ball like that um but at some point i want to see a game where shea just takes the ball he knows he's hot and he's going to drive to the rim at will he's going to pull up he's going to shoot he's going to shoot with confidence and he just he's going to play with confidence and with aggression just like jacob said um I agree 100% on the defensive end. I would like to see that translate to the offensive end as well. See him be less selfless and more selfish, which is a very strange thing to say, uh, particularly for a Thunder fan who has followed Russell Westbrook his entire career. I was and was Russ like you have <laughs> Yeah, Russ his Hangover. favorite player for as long as I have. That's very strange for me to say. Um, <laughs> I would like to see some more Russ in Shea, um, but I also realize that that's not necessarily fair to ask, or maybe realistic to ask at this point, uh, so early in the season or so early in Shea's career. I just hope wait till those trades exactly, go down. Exactly, yeah. Exactly.
3: Well, hey, and you mentioned like him being a little less selfless. I think one place where through 15 games now I've seen him grow is his passing and his driving kick game.
2: Great point. Yep.
3: I I, yeah. I just. He's not racking up the assists, but I bet if we looked at his potential assists from his first five games versus his potential assists from his last five games, uh, I bet they're two pretty significantly different numbers because I feel like he is driving now. He's realizing he's drawing that attention and he's kicking to shooters. Um, he had a play in that game on Friday against the Lakers where he drove uh, and saw Homie Cutting and he drove and then dished to yes. hommy He had a a, a, a lob to Steven. Yeah, I, I feel like he's he's starting to realize when he drives, he has a lot more options now, and and that playmaking is going up, and that's something that
2: I really really like to see. He's gaining confidence as he plays, which is just I mean, you can't ask for any more for a young player like Shay. I, I I'm extremely excited about Shay. Like seriously, yep. I'm about to about to order um. Trying to decide if I want to wait until the, the Memorial jerseys come out, the City Edition this year, or just go and get like. Oh, a, they're already out, bro. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about they that. Just they just dropped them on Friday. Our guy Justin tweeted that out. I forgot Maybe about that. Maybe you should follow me on Twitter yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Actually, I retweeted that, too. That's really bad <laughs> of me. Really Blind bad of me.
3: retweets. <laughs> it's all Taylor's good literally,
2: for. Literally. Literally. Blind retweets.
3: All right. Well, hey, guys, let's move on from the games from this past week. Uh, last little note from, from last week, though. In that game Friday, uh, Hamadou Diallo made his return and played pretty good. Played pretty yeah. good until tell me more, Jacob. Of the, <laughs> Tell me more until the beginning of the fourth quarter. Hey, that play where I think Chris drove and kicked a Hami, who was standing flat footed right at the three point line, and he just exploded past LeBron and, and threw just one down, slammed
2: it. Yes, I have that. That uh, his I have that, save that on my going computer. from
3: flat footed to getting to the <laughs> rim. Holy shit, man. It was exciting. Some he just hit the accelerator and beep, beep. It was impressive. Um but in the fourth quarter Hami goes up uh to contest a LeBron layup. Uh the he got called for a foul. Uh kind of bounced off LeBron and I think the injury actually comes when Hami is falling away from Braun and his arm hits Muscala on the way down. Yeah. Uh, and he rolled around on the floor and looked to be in incredible pain. It was actually kind of difficult to watch. Um, it, it how me, dare like, LeBron
2: just, hurt the greatest player in the league?
3: It, it just it kind of made me sad. Like you know, I was like, oh man, like yeah. It, it's like when a dog whimpers, you know, and you're like, <laughs> little oh, puppy,
5: poor puppy.
2: He's That's kind of how puppy. I felt with
3: Homie. Yeah, um,
4: he's our our little adorable Homie.
1: Yeah, came out today
3: <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, hyperextension sprain in that elbow. it's the right elbow, which is the one he had surgery on. Is it the right elbow? Yep. I think it's the right one. Yep. Um, he will be out Monday night's game against Golden State. Uh, they will announce uh, a more specific timetable uh, moving forward. But Dr. Uh, Doctor Peterson Google. over here uh, went to the old Google machine uh, because that's, that's right. how I diagnose things. Every time I've been sick, Google's told me I'm going to die. Web but. MD <laughs> told me Hami has leprosy. <laughs> I was about to say, homie might have cancer Dude, he's going to die <laughs> legit one time, like I had like this this issue going on, yep, um, and so I web would it, and i it Jacob, literally told uh, Roman me, like, is
2: not our sponsor this week <laughs> told me I had a uh,
3: uh either a chronic illness or a cancer Jesus goodness. it was it was boiler
4: alert it was both yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, do you guys want Goodness. the, I mean, so no, th- those of you who are listening to the pod, we don't have uh, an, any ad reads this week. Um, so we're not trying to fill time as much. So do you guys want the quick 30 second story of that, that, uh, that illness real quick?
2: I, I love your stories, Jacob. I'm all in. Have you guys,
3: have I told you guys this story off pod before?
2: I don't, I don't think so. I, was gonna say, I don't think so. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, I'm going to preface, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, mild, mildly awkward, so just prep yourselves, all right? Um, I had a, a bladder issue, um, and so they did What's the thing where they try to look at the baby in your, in your belly? They did an yeah. ultrasound on my bladder. Um, didn't see anything. You we were pregnant. They did um, <laughs> not an MRI, but they put me in a machine, kind of like an MRI. Yep. a cat scan. They did a cat scan to see if I had any uh, kidney stones or bladder stones. Uh, no go, and huh. so we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And the doctor said, "Well, the next step is we need to get a get a look inside your bladder." And I said, "Oh, all right, whatever." Well, so so how does that process work? <laughs>
2: it is not said, a well, fun
3: process, from what I've there, heard. <laughs> there's one way in and one way out. Exactly. Oh, no. Ugh. and I said uh never mind said, yeah the, the this camera is um is about the size of an ink pen no and i was like oh, oh, no. huh
2: <laughs> oh, and he said so gosh. there's two
3: options um we can go to the surgical center and then get some anesthesia and put you under and, and get a get a scope or uh, you can just come in here to the office i got some numbing gel and you'll just sit up here on this chair and i was like what the hell you just want me to slap some jelly on this thing And we're gonna play Pin the tail on the donkey <laughs> Yikes That's
2: the uh, worst thing I've ever heard I So
3: I opted for Gosh. the anesthesia uh, Which is Smart equally man. as awkward Because now I am um, unconscious While someone's uh, Touching my penis the That's, last uh, That'll get you arrested in some states
2: Ugh. Well, Was everything okay? I'm assuming uh, I guess they, they stuck
3: this camera all the way up in me Found nothing <laughs> Uh, they made me serious? pee before I left the surgical center, oh my and it gosh. felt like I was pissing out daggers that were on fire. Yeah. And so like I'm like <laughs> half out of it on anesthesia, in this bathroom, pissing, screaming my head off, because ah! it burns so bad. The nurse comes in there, tries to see what's wrong, and I'm in the middle of pissing. <laughs> Dude, it was a bad experience. It was a bad experience. Yeah, and I paid Goodness. money for that. Yeah, right. A lot of money for off. that, for them to <laughs> say, the best part. oh, your bladder looks fine. Jeez. It was bad. <laughs> Holy Shout crap. Shout out to
4: anyone still listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right.
3: Um, so uh, what even got us on the story of-, of...
2: We're talking, WebMD. Talking about homie. Oh, yeah, WebMD. Oh, yeah. So, I
3: so why don't you tell homies. us what's up with, with diagnosing homie? <laughs> 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 I'm glad it wasn't cancer, by the way yeah no kidding <laughs> although for how much money and pain i went through it should have been freaking cancer <laughs> i needed some bang for my buck that day
2: well, uh, <laughs> so hamadou diallo uh um, hope
3: he doesn't have to get his bladder scoped <laughs> put him out till christmas
2: he might have to get a elbow scoped though goodness yeah he uh, hyperextended his elbow uh, which, like you said, Jago, I think it's the same elbow that he had previously had surgery on um, during the, was it like the postseason last year? Uh, it wasn't even off offseason. Um, and so pending, or per the good old Google, um, this injury can take anywhere from like days to three to four weeks, kind of depending on how severe it is. The most severe, or like I think the most common, is between the three and four week range. Uh, which will put him uh, about uh, that's month, Christmas, bro. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, hopefully it's nothing too serious The Thunder. They're going to provide a timetable in the coming days. But I kind of put this in here because I wanted your guys' thoughts. One, on how he's played so far this season, and two, how an extended absence would affect this team.
4: I think um, he's been awesome. Um, he's been I real good. I've always thought of him as, like, the energetic spark plug and he's 100% still that. But his kind of depth of skill set, I feel like, has taken a really big leap forward this year to where he's not just the energetic guy off the bench. He can actually like do some real basketball contributions. His he can do hand, stuff in the half improved. court. Against some yeah. of the best players in the is league. Which is
2: huge. Right, yeah, exactly.
4: And it's a, it's a stark contrast from kind of what he looked like last year.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. He still can't shoot to save his life.
2: At all. Um,
3: <laughs> if you uh, had a gun to my head and said, homie's got to hit this shot uh, for me not to kill you, I would just say pull the
2: trigger, please. Um, Same but, thing as like gosh. Steven at the free throw line. <laughs> yeah,
3: his, his his handle is good. Yep. Uh, his energy improved. is good. His rebounding is good. And he can he can finish in traffic. He can finish in the half court. Last year we saw him finish on the break. Uh, which awesome, right? Like that's that's good and high energy, uh, but now he's actually a th- somewhat of a threat in the half court, which is which is really positive. Uh, let me tack on a question to that, Taylor. Yep. With Hami possibly having an extended absence, um, who do you think? Which is exactly what will, I was
2: getting at, and it's going to be stinking uh, Nader, and I am so mad about that. You <sighs> think
3: Hater, Nader's going <laughs> to
2: grab more minutes than Deontay Burton? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. For whatever reason, Billy has some like infatuation with Abdul Nader. And look, like Nader did some solid things this past week. Even um, he actually hit a couple oh. three pointers. He was driving. Your and the I rim. definition of solid is different. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he had a couple he, decent. He stretches. did some basketball. He made some basketball plays. I'm I'm saying like solid for Nader. I'm not saying solid yeah. for all. I know is every time SGA. they sub
3: Nader in, whoever he's guarding, they immediately iso
2: that exactly. guy exactly exactly and that's like why would you not give those minutes to like you said jacob burton or and maybe it'll be situational Liedort, because like it, out like, in la
3: so i thought burton actually did a pretty decent job of guarding Braun
2: for like did three a minutes great yeah, job for for burton coming in and doing that i thought he did a great job i'm with you completely also uh you mentioned Hami in the half court and i think one of the biggest things that i really have liked to see um particularly this this last game that's really stuck stuck out to me but um I think this entire season, I've seen some flashes of this, is his cutting off ball, right? There's a lot of backdoor passes from Chris Paul, SGA, where, uh, where and I think even Steven, where Diallo is running to the rim. And I think that's been uh, been really big. So um, I, I've been happy to see that. Um, but like you mentioned, I am not very happy to see Nader get all those minutes. And there's a guy who is balling out in the G League named Lou Dort, who I would really like to see. Uh, start to maybe get a little little bit of time yeah he's, he's got those those
3: days stacked up for that two-way contract um speaking of young guys though i want to talk about this uh i don't know if you guys have read it yet but there was an article in the la times uh, written by dan wokey about chris paul and, and his his situation here with the thunder being on a non-title contender uh, and his mentorship of young guys uh ex- not exclusively, but specifically Shay and Darius Basley, And uh, and so have either of you guys read this article?
4: I actually have not. I read. have.
2: Ooh. I have. I have a couple okay. of screenshots. <laughs> okay, nice. overachiever. Um, I know. So, I am. I do my homework, Justin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> talk uh, and, and Taylor, I'll let you jump in and, and talk a little bit about this. But the the article talks about how Chris Paul – Basically, the day before they went out to L.A. for that back-to-back, the, the day before the, the rest of the team flew out, Chris Paul chartered a p- private flight for him, Shea, and Darius, and those three went out there. He introduced them uh, to some high-up guy at Disney. Uh, Chris Paul made them all eat vegan food, which uh, would have pissed me off, but whatever. Uh, but but just <laughs> kind of how Chris is, is kind of taking those guys under his wing – he's mentoring them. He's there 24 seven to help them through basketball stuff. They're watching film together. He said like every night on the road, they're in the, in Chris's hotel room, uh, watching film together. Actually one little piece of info in the article that I thought was, uh, kind of sad. It's not the right word, but, but it did kind of make me sad is Chris said that this is uh, the first time maybe in his career that he hasn't had his family, his wife and his kids mm-hmm. with him. Uh, yeah. They're living out in LA right now while he's in Oklahoma City. So he doesn't get to spend a whole lot of time with his family, which kind of sucks for for Chris and the family and the kids and everyone involved. Right. But so since they aren't around, he's devoting more time to Shay and Darius. And he said there's some stuff where that he's talking to them and working through with them, but some stuff they have to just kind of Pick up through experience. And and he's making sure that they they get that as well. And so I thought it was a really good article of of how Chris Paul is I think he said both feet in this season. He's never played a season one foot in, one foot out, even though the end goal is for him to win a title and to get out of Oklahoma City to a team that can provide that for him. That as of right now he is he is fully in and he enjoys the mentorship aspect of of his role taylor what did you kind of take away from
2: it i I think you did a great job kind of going through the article i was going to mention a couple of those different points and just kind of to add on to that you mentioned his wife and kids not being okc and so therefore he's just kind of hanging around right like chris paul's not at the age where he's wanting to go out and party at clubs you know he's not um he's he's to the point now where he he wants his family around he wants people to to be there for him one thing about chris paul And something I think that he even mentioned about being Houston. is like there's two butting heads between him and James Harden. And maybe butting heads isn't the right term, but he was looking kind of to be that mentor. And James is there. Um, And so he wasn't really able to do that, where here, his kids, his family, his wife, uh, his family is still in L.A., right? And so he's able to um, be here and kind of be a mentor and like a – not a father figure, like a big brother figure for some of these guys. So a great quote from here is from Bazley. Uh, He said, he's been as available as you can get. He's like a 24-hour convenience store. Anything you want to know, anything you want to ask, anything you might need help with, he's there for you to try and help. I also think it's very telling that the two people that he chose, and don't get me wrong, as much as I love Hamadou, as much as I love T-Ferg, the two people he chose were Ferguson and Basley. Now, I know they kind of- You mean Shea and Basley. Sorry, yeah, not for goodness. SGA and Baisley, yeah, sorry. Um, And I know that they kind of, those three kind of formed connections early on this season, kind of formed some chemistry, but uh, I thought that was interesting. But regardless, you know, it's just, it's really cool to see uh, CP3 kind of take this leadership role and also kind of see him enjoy it. You know, like he seems to really be uh, enjoying it, but I think
4: it's great. Oh, am sorry. Go Cause ahead. it's real quick. No, I think it's great because yeah. it's, it's what I hoped when the trade went down. I think my fear was that kind of to use Chris Paul's own language that he would be one foot in, one foot out. He would just kind of be there. Costing a lot of money, not really engaged, not really interested in investing deeply in that, like, leadership role. But this, for OKC, it's really the best case scenario. Like, as much as we like to crap on Chris Paul and talk about how much he flops or argues or whatever, I think that overall the way that he – um has invested in in mentoring these guys is vital because he's a veteran point guard and one of the best in the league and any amount of um intel that he can
2: pass on to guys like shea and Baisley is going to be huge for them down the line exactly exactly Uh, i think that's a great point um and so but this leads me to two questions i wanted to ask you guys tonight um he had a post-game interview on Friday. Andrew Schleck posted this on Twitter. So if you guys haven't seen that yet, go and check it out because it was a, a great kind of a peek into Chris Paul's competitive mindset. He's his leader. He's his mentor. But like Jacob said, he wants to win. So really quickly before we move on, um, Chris Paul mentioned, mentioned in, in his post-game interview, quote-unquote, it's kind of stupid to tell you the truth. Not sure if stupid is the right word. Shay and I were talking about this, but we have to figure it out. We have to figure out a way to win these games. And he was asked a question about uh, winning these close games, or losing these close games that they have been, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Then he continued, it'd be nice to win and learn at the same time. That's what we have to figure out. So he was obviously talking about, yeah, we have a lot of youth on this team, like Baisley and SGA, but the talents here, we have to learn how to win these games. So my question is for you guys. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys all these at once. You guys can just throw out your thoughts at me before we move on. What happens if this team continues to lose games? What happens if Presti trades Gallo and Shooter and maybe Noel? You know, we've talked about maybe in Steven being traded come trade deadline. And CP3 does not get traded. He's stuck with this rebuilding team, right? We finally have repositioned, um, but we're, we're finally in the rebuild phase. But CP3 still here until like next summer. What happens then? Does this become a problem or does CP3 become a problem in the locker room? What do you guys think? I think that's a great question.
4: Well, lots of great questions. Um, but it's overall, it's the kind of thing, going back to what I said, uh, it's the ideal situation for Chris Paul right now, the way he's embracing that role. What happens when that situation is no longer ideal? If this team uh, is in the middle of February and Noel and Schroeder and Gallo are playing on different teams and it's just Chris Paul and a bunch of youngins and they can't get any wins, does Chris Paul still have that same enthusiasm for mentoring those young guys? I would hope so, but I don't know so because that would be a tough situation for anybody to continue to stay positive in. So I'd be worried about that a little bit.
3: I, I agree with you. Um, I don't think that... I've, will he get pissed at the on-court product and the fact that they're losing and this and that? Yes. Um, but I don't think... He will, like, veer away from that mentorship idea, though. I think
2: he, he would he still be bought in. he genuinely cares about those guys, like the Baysleys and SGAs. I think
4: yeah. there's a difference, though. I don't think it'll be. I don't know. It's not necessarily that I think all of a sudden he'll just be like, "F them kids."
5: That <laughs> 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 Michael like, Jordan meme. It's um, a great reference. Yeah. <laughs>
4: but like I, you know, I it could be more subconscious of just less willing to go all in on investing yeah kind of start cutting corners and half-assing because you're not not going to turn his back on him but it might not be at the same level
3: yeah yeah i could see that i could see that um but i i I don't know i don't know him personally at all obviously uh so you know i don't know like it, it just seems that whenever things would get rough that that he's the kind of guy that that like he said in that article, that he's two feet in, you know, but but that remains to be seen. So, yep, it'll it'll be an interesting development as this season goes along. Uh, but talking about young guys um, and trades and whatnot, last kind of thunder centric thing I wanted to talk about uh, this week, I did a I f- somehow a I, found, I, I found I <laughs> found free time, and I said, you know what, <laughs> I'm gonna waste this free time and spend two hours just looking up stupid stuff about basketball on the internet. So that's what I did. And I, I know you two have seen this tweet. Some of the, yes. our listeners have maybe seen this tweet, but this tweet thread. Uh, but I wanted to kind of break it down and talk to you guys a little bit on it, about it on the podcast rather than just like through text. So I went back to the year 2000, the NBA draft in 2000, and I looked at every draft after 2000 all the way up to 2017. And basically what I did is I I made a spreadsheet and I divided the first round of the draft into three tiers. Tier one is the first through the fifth pick. Tier two, I called it the rest of the lottery, so six through 14. Tier three, I called that just the rest of the first round, uh, which was picks 15 through 30. Uh, and I want to pull this up so I make sure that I get my, my statistics uh, correct. But basically what I was looking at was what is the percentage chance of a player that you select in each of these tiers becoming an all-star or an all-NBA player? Um, obviously, we all know top five picks are good. Um, picks really late in the first round sometimes aren't good, right? So, So these are the results I found. Looking at every first round pick since 2000 all the way up to 2017, I omitted the past two years. Uh, 2019 draft class hasn't had an opportunity, and no rookie is going to get named an all star, all NBA, right? That just doesn't happen. How dare you disrespect John Morant? So he- <laughs> here's what I found uh, Players picked in the top five since the year 2000, 36% of those players become all stars. become all NBA, uh, the rest of the lottery. So picks six through 14, only 12% of those players become all stars. So what is that? A 24% drop 7% of them become all NBA. And then when you go to non lottery picks in the first round, 6% become all stars, 4% become all NBA type players do those so so obviously it's like a no shit type of thing that top 5 picks are good um picks in the 20s typically not that good right like we all know that but having specific numbers right here uh and the the stark contrast between those numbers do those surprise you guys at all
4: i think what surprised me was the drop off outside of the top 5 tier and how close it made the rest of the lottery and the non-lottery picks. So, you know, 12, it's still, it's twice as many, 12% all-stars for rest of the lottery, 6% for non-lottery. But compared that to 36% in the top five, that's essentially, you know, it's all in all, roughly the same odds of finding an all-star non-lottery as it is in late lottery. And I think that just kind of emphasizes for me, how important it is for the thunder to get in that top five position, not just get into the lottery at like, you know, an eight or a nine or a 10 or something like that, but really try to make that push towards that top five.
3: Yeah. So that 36%, um, out of five picks, that's about two out of every five players become all stars in the top five. Uh, wow. obviously you, you, you can't cut a player in half, but about one right. and a half players in the top five each year become an all NBA performer.
4: Well, and if you go just like strict odds, say if we're if we're looking at a Thunder team that's fully tanking, and they get three straight years of top five picks, the math tells you at least one of those is going to be an all star. Yeah, and I think you take those odds.
3: Yeah, at least one of them is going to be an all star, and and a really high probability that one of them will be an all NBA performer. Right. So. This research that I did um, was kind of born from this idea that I had tweeted and asked if uh, I had put up a scenario if let's say the Thunder get the tenth overall pick in 2020, plus they have Denver's pick, I uh, first rounder in 2020. I said, would you trade those two picks plus the Miami Heat pick in 20? Twenty
2: twenty. I was about to say twenty twenty one. Yeah, That's off the top of my head, <laughs> would,
3: would you trade those three picks to move up in the top five in twenty twenty? And the answers on Twitter were pretty split. Some yeah. said yes, go for it, go get a superstar. Some said no, get more bites at the apple. Some said, well, it depends on on how good this class is. And, That's a and big it, it, part it, of it. That's fair. Yeah, and you know, it's. I mean, we don't know. Right? Like, we we, we just don't know. Like, we can watch all the film we want, but we don't know until those guys get in the league, right? And so that makes me want to ask you guys let's say, so the Thunder have 15 picks in the next, what, six years? 15 picks. Would you trade all 15 picks plus Chris Paul plus Danilo Gallinari? In order to get a top five pick each year
2: for the next five years. Absolutely. Yeah. You take those odds every single time. Okay. And you know what? If you draft an Anthony Bennett and I shouldn't say Andrew Wiggins because that guy's a, even when he wasn't what he is this season, he's a feasible basketball player. <laughs> basketball player. Um, but let's say you draft two an Anthony Bennett and a Greg Odom who, um, who obviously his his career was kind of hurt by injuries but you draft two of those of what the what would it be four years there is that what you said I uh, said five. five. Five years of top five picks you take that every single time and you know what i think the the biggest thing here is you would find that teams value those top five picks so much that it would be extremely hard even with the um the i guess the the package of picks that uh Presley has in his, in his vault. Um There are not very many teams who would give up those picks, even with Definitely. all that that Presley could could offer.
3: So let's go a step further then. Would you trade all 15 of those picks, Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, for four years of top five picks? Not five years, four
2: years. Yeah, I still would do four. Now three, I I we're getting... We're getting, Three's We're getting iffy, iffy for you Justin
3: getting would you do it for 4?
4: I think I'd do it for 4. And but, I think part of part of what I'm factoring in here is the Presty factor. You know what you looked at was average averages, league averages across everybody, but we know that Presti, when he's in the lottery is keen to find solid players. He he single-handedly contributed to those N- that number of the top oh, five yeah. picks being oh, so high. That's a high. good point. Very uh, good point. So yeah, if, if, I if, like. I like my odds of giving. I wonder Presti what Presti's
3: practicing. odds are in in this because I mean, sh- apparently hundred percent. Is it hundred percent? James Russ KD. Yeah, right. Pretty. Has solid. he had any other top five picks?
4: I don't think they have. Okay, there he you go.
2: Serge Reggie. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple others. Yeah, and, Sir, and Serge was
3: helped. in the 20s. Reggie was in the 20s.
4: It helps th- – those numbers help prove your point of, you know, sometimes people like to give Presty, you know, crap for, for guys like Josh Hustis or some of those – Cole Aldridge. Some of those later Hammer picks pain. that don't pan <laughs> out. But I think the numbers show you that it is kind of a crapshoot when yeah. you get to that point in the draft.
3: I think my, uh, my wet dream scenario is one of these years <laughs> – um, the Thunder's own pick gets in top five, and then with the other picks they have, yes. they're able they to package to one together like three or four to get another top five pick.
2: Oh, it's even better,
4: even God. better. Isn't that what the Pelicans did?
2: Essentially, yeah, very uh, similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they they kept their so they hit the lottery essentially. Right. Uh, they got the number one, and they were able to use their other picks to move up into like top ten. Um, oh man, that would be with with Shea and Baisley, Hami slash Ferg. I mean, that'd be really exciting.
3: Yep, one hundred percent. All right, I think that's all we've got for the Thunder. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about the OKC Blue uh, before we start to close this podcast out. I'm blue. So OKC Blue uh, are back on the road now. They went down to Justin's neck of the wood down in Dallas. Yeah, played. Why am I going to forget the, the Dallas Texas Legends? The Legends. The there legends. we go. Legends. Uh, Lou Dort uh, snapped down in Dallas. Thirty-two points, four rebounds, three assists on ten of fourteen shooting, um, including a lot of dunks on the Blue g league season so far he's averaging nearly 21 points a game shooting 50 percent from the floor only 30 percent from three um six attempts from three a game six rebounds 3.2 assists 1.2 steals um lou's looking legit guys he's I, I mentioned it on twitter he reminds me a little bit of hamadou diallo in the sense that he's hyper athletic uh he's a bulldog defensively and he can't shoot um But he's working on those things. He's he's only 20 years old. And uh, I'm kind of excited. I'm excited for the moment when he gets the call-up to come up to the Thunder. And when he does get that call-up, if they give him uh, time to actually play.
4: Yeah. I want to see what he can do because the – the physical specimen is there. He he looks NBA ready. He's not a guy that he looks NFL ready. <laughs> right? He does he's not look a guy NFL that ready. a lot of guys in the G League, you know, they just their bodies don't look like they're ready for the NBA game. But that's not the case with Lou. Uh, he's he's a tank, but he is super athletic uh, as as you mentioned with all the dunks. And so I think. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and and be a game changer by any means, but I want to see what it looks like against NBA competition because what he's been doing in G League has been pretty darn impressive.
2: And he has, like, he seems to have solid court vision, which is something that you're essentially just born with, which is something that I learned uh, going through, uh, growing up around basketball myself and playing basketball, but even more so now that we've kind of have started this, the uncontested, and have been covering the game there are certain guys who have high basketball IQs and certain guys who do not, which we've mentioned a lot on this podcast. It seems like Dort maybe has more of a high basketball IQ, which is, again, this is all based off of G League players. So that could be completely wrong here in about a year when we see him against um, uh, full NBA uh, defenders and, and and players. But um, it seems that he's he's pretty sharp as well. So um, combine that with his, his length and athleticism, his explosiveness. Um, I'm I'm really kind of curious where he's going to fit on the NBA floor. What I mean what I mean by that is he he's often been a point guard, or ball handler. That's yeah. kind of the role he's taken on in the G League. That's kind of who he was at Arizona State. I'm curious if he's going to be a you know a point forward. Um, in the NBA for the Thunder or if he'll be just a full-on four or if he'll be like a Deontay Burton who comes in and plays like a two between a two and a four. Like I'm very confused on where he's going to fit in with the Thunder. So I'm curious curious to see your guys' thoughts on that.
4: It's a great question. He's like I mentioned, like from a physical standpoint, he's what is he? Six, four, six, five with like a six, nine wingspan.
2: Three hundred pounds of solid muscle.
4: Yeah, and he's like two hundred and twenty five <laughs> pounds. Like he's solid. Uh so if you if you play him in a primarily ball handling position, he's gonna stick out like a sore thumb. Uh but at six five is that big enough to really battle in the post? I don't know. Outside of like Draymond Green. I, I think who he's can
2: can probably closer to six three than six five, by the way. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's good. No, that's that's good to hear. I huh. So it, I see him more, sorry,
3: not not to cut you off, Justin, but I see him more in a um, Marcus Smart-esque role than really anything else.
2: That's interesting. I would really like that also. I think he has the uh, athletic ability to be just as aggressive on the defensive end as Marcus Smart. I like that comparison.
3: So I have, sorry, that was awkward transition. <laughs> I there have... When the thunder, when the not starting the thunder, when the blue played, um, the God, I'm going to forget the name of the team, uh, the Houston affiliate, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, I got to talk to Lou after the game. I've got a couple minutes here of of audio of Lou and I chatting it up. Um, you guys want to hear it? Yes, sir. All right, I here. Very much want uh, to hear. It. But it's about two minutes, so here we go hit the glass pretty hard tonight, 10 boards. Uh, is that a focus for you or just right place, right time?
1: Oh, I just knew that they didn't have that many uh, bigs. So usually the principle is to get back, but like I knew that you had a little advantage on the boards. So I, just, I was just crashing the boards.
3: Okay, in that fourth quarter, you seemed to, to really find a rhythm. There's multiple possessions down here where had the ball in your hands, you would drive, collapse defense, kick out to shooters. Or you had that one where you drove. got the one for the layup, got the foul. Um, just seemed like once you got the ball in your hands, you got in a nice little rhythm there. What, what was clicking?
1: Oh, it's just – I was just really playing with my team and waiting for them to find me. And then when they found me, I was just making good plays. I, I knew every time I was driving to the basket, there was there was clapping. So I was getting the ball out or I was going up. So it was just fine doing the right play. All right. Um, you got a few games under your belt
5: now.
3: How are you feeling? Like, Where, where do you feel like you're excelling at? and Where do you feel like you still have work to go to – to kind of polish the rest of your game?
1: Uh, I feel like I'm getting better a little bit on everything. I uh, just got to work a little bit more on, like, rhythm shots and stuff like that, but it's, it's going to come. I'm working hard for that.
3: Where do you feel like you're excelling so far?
1: What, what, what's clicking and going well? Oh, uh, it was more like uh, decision-making, like when I drive to basket and fight an open man because I know they collapse a lot when I drive. So that's probably one of the main things I, I got better at.
3: Okay, awesome. Um, you've been in OKC for a while now. you have a favorite restaurant
1: yet? Uh, got a go-to spot? Uh, Packers. Packers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. You have like a go-to meal time. there.
3: Do you get the same thing or mix it up a little bit? Uh, I just mix it up a little bit. Mix it mix up. up okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, very yeah. good. Packers is good. So mm, it is a good spot. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're on the two-way deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you've been playing with the blue. Is there some like expectation, anxiety? Like, are you looking forward to the day when that when that call-up comes and, and you're across the street playing?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm patient with it. I just work hard every day and go with the flow. And I feel like if I keep doing what I'm doing, it's going to
3: come. So good to chat it up with, with Lou a little bit. And I think he's a, um, for a 20 year old, I think he's really mature in, in understanding the position he's in, where he needs to grow, uh, how he needs to get better in order to eventually make it up to the league. He's he super cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say super chill, super cool, um, very mature. And I think the maturity aspect is something that we see um Presti kind of target uh almost equally I don't want to say as equal but um almost as equally as on court talent you know so that's really cool to see and I I'm rooting for Dort I hope he gets to see some time you know we mentioned Hami being out it'd be cool to see some guys like Dort and Burton get time over Nader that's just me personally but um yeah we'll see
3: Awesome. You guys have anything else, uh, Thunder or Blue related before we move on to handing out some uh, some early season awards?
2: I do not. Yeah, I'm ready. All
3: right, let's do it.
1: I don't even know where you're sitting at.
3: All right, guys, about one month into the NBA regular season now, each team's played like 14 to like 16-ish games. So I figured we could visit and see who you guys have down so far as um, these end-of-season awards if you were to give them out today. So we're talking Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Sixth Man, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and MVP. Um, We don't have to go in that specific order uh you can just kind of shout out who you've got and, and for what i'll kick us off um and and i think maybe uh this first one is going to be what we all have my I rookie so. of the year so
2: far is Jamarant. yes yep damn straight do you guys is see that move? chance that move he put on dwight uh last night he like goes, the, the wraparound you know, layup he goes up under for the reverse he uh he goes up with the left or no sorry goes up with the right t- switches to the left with the reverse layup over Dwight. Yeah, he powers. like put it on on Ugh. on
3: Dwight's back. Like he reached around Dwight and then flipped it off off the
2: glass. Stupid I trade dude. all the draft picks in the world to get John Morant with Shea. Dude, <laughs> he is cold. He is so good. Any chance, Kamiar, by the when, way, he when, mentioned that yeah. he asked us that earlier.
3: <laughs> Any chance that when Zion gets back, he can make a push to get in the conversation, or is this thing basically jaws to lose?
4: I think he'll be in the conversation. I don't know if. It would depend on what he could do, whether that conversation is just, you know, yes, he deserves to be a part of it, or yes, he's a legitimate contender, but so far through one month of the season, Jaw looks pretty much head and shoulders above every every other rookie.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, Zion would have to be putting up some ridiculous numbers once he gets back. Um, he First of all, he'd have to get back soon, and I'm not sure when he's supposed to, haven't really had any updates on that but um and then the other thing is like i'm not sure who is second behind jaw right now like maybe like rue uh, out in washington you know he's been putting up some solid numbers hunters had some decent stats uh, kobe white probably would be second he's he's had a couple like huge games but he's not consistent like jaw has been so i think with Zion coming what? back, he has to put up some like – Darius
3: Baisley, numbers. bro. Uh, yeah, Baisley Come on.
2: super solid. He Basley needs him some like 20-point games, though, to get in that conversation. No, he's <laughs> first team all rookie.
4: I'm in. I'm all in. All right, wh- what Ethan are some Baisley. others that
2: you guys got?
3: Since we all matched on the first yeah, one. Yeah, Justin, you to go? Yeah, go first?
4: I've got a most improved candidate for you. Okay. goes by the name of Brandon Ingram.
3: That's a really good one. That's
2: a great pick.
4: Great. He
3: will probably win it, too. He's been killing it.
4: I pulled up his numbers just to see because it was was more of an eye test pick, but then the numbers backed it up, which is always a pleasant surprise. Let's hear him. He is averaging this season 26.3 points per game, 7.1 boards, 4.2 assists. All three of those are career highs. And when you compare that to his average from his first three seasons – uh, 13.9 points, 4.7 boards, 2.9 assists. So doubling points, almost doubling boards, and adding an assist and a half per game. Shout out to them Lakers. Been killing it.
3: <laughs> that's that's really impressive. He's been incredible. Uh, I'm interested to see if those numbers dip when Zion comes back. That'll be For fascinating. Sure. But,
2: okay, I like it. I like that one a lot. Um, Taylor, was yours different? Mine was different and it was extremely homerish however um, I love that pick because I actually had brandon Eram on my fantasy basketball team and um, <laughs> I've had people like actually reach out trying to trade me for him with some like solid uh, packages that they were offering and I'm just like no I'm keeping Erum. Um so I think that's he's 100% the, the front runner here but I went ahead and went with Shay uh, I he is he also taken a big leap compared to last year when he was starting at point guard for a uh, playoff contender. Obviously he is almost, he's almost doubled his field goal attempts, which I found interesting. He's averaging 16.2 field goal attempts compared to 8.7 last year. Um, he's shooting right around the same, which is after almost doubling his field goal attempts, he's shooting 45.7% compared to 47 last year, which is huge. That's um, good
3: to keep that consistency exactly. with the higher volume
2: exactly um shooting 79 free throw percentage compared to 80 percent last year so he's he's been very consistent 19.7 points compared to 10.8 last year he is let's see i'm gonna uh that was steals so he's averaging about the same assist uh he's he, we talked about his ability to be able to uh, distribute he, he averaged 3.3 last year he's averaging three so far this year and then his rebound, uh, 5.3 this year compared to 2.8. He's almost doubled that as well. All that to say, I keep keep going through basketball reference, but I'm going to borrow our listeners. Uh, Shay's taken a really big leap in his game. Now, I will agree with Justin. It may not be quite as significant and huge as Brandon, Brandon Ingram, but Shea's done a lot. And he's uh, he's really almost doubled his stats almost almost every major category so far this season for the Thunder. Um, and so I'm really excited about Shea. I think all Thunder fans should be, and I think Shea will 100% cement himself into the most improved player category, maybe even more so come post-trade deadline. So, Jacob, what about you? Who do you uh, who do you have there?
3: Uh, I went with Domonis Sabonis. Ooh. He's no, having a great, great year in Indiana so far. Um, just a real quick rundown. He's averaging five more points per game than last year, 14 to 19 Uh, he's averaging 13 and a half rebounds a game right now. That is a four rebound per game jump, uh, almost a full assist more than last season. Career high in assists, points, rebounds, blocks, uh, free throw percentage, free throws per game. Um, only shooting 31% from three, but his, his counting numbers are wildly impressive. Um, the Brandon Ingram one is probably a better one, but I think Domas is having a kind of a breakout year, yeah. and and it's exciting to watch. And it's because he's he's getting the start right. He's he's averaging more minutes than he's ever averaged too. He's averaging ten more minutes per game, but he's he's having a really really good season. So I'm with yep. Domas on that one,
4: for sure. I got another one. What do you Sixth got? Sixth man of the year. Oh, Montrez Harrell. Solid.
3: I thought about going with Trez or Lou, but I didn't want to give the Clippers any credit. I know <laughs> for being know. honest here.
4: So similar to Brandon Ingram, uh points, rebounds, assists, all career highs for Montrez Harrell so far this season. Which is impressive when yeah. you're coming off the bench. But he is he's still averaging thirty minutes a game, so it's another one of those situations where yes, he's coming off the bench, but he's getting minutes like a starter. But he's still – he's been awesome he's this year. He's still a
2: six-man. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I have Lou. I went ahead and went with Lou just because – God dang it. I know, but you watch, you watch <laughs> these games over the past week, and who's the guy stepping up on that team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who are making the big-time shots? It's yeah, Lou Lou's Will. Yeah, really good. I it's know. Lou. He's good. And it's this man going to win six-man of the year until the day that he dies. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever well, seen. Well, I stayed in California. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely counts. And honestly, if you <laughs> I give stayed... us something different, I – Respect it
3: 100%. I stayed in California, and I went with Bogdan, son of Bogdan, first of his name. Oh, that's uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich gr- yes. from the Kings. I 15, hope he gets it. I hope yeah, he Yeah, 15 points a game, five assists, three rebounds, uh, shooting 44% from three on seven attempts a game.
2: If Sam Presley traded a, a certain center whose name rhymes with no, If he traced Stephen Adams to the Kings, I would not be upset if we Way got to leave, uh, uh, <laughs> bog, bog <laughs> dog in return.
3: <laughs> you, uh, I, I'm on, on the edge of my seat wondering who you are referring to there. My <laughs> only like, worry yeah, is bog, Bogdanovich is already 27 years old. I don't care. He's, he's already Give me outside him. of the He will the shoot three-pointers
2: until the day he's like 40. He can hoop. He can hoop. <laughs> he can hoop.
3: Uh, defensive player it. of the year, maybe we have the same on this one as well. Uh, I'm tired of big men getting Defensive Player of the Year because guards Ooh. need need some love, and I'm Give going with the guy we've already baby. talked about on this podcast, Marcus Smart.
2: That a boy, my nice. man. He's a That's bulldog man. He's so got. damn good. That's exactly who I got.
3: Awesome, Justin. Like are it. you different than us? I am, okay. and
4: but I tried to be intentionally different because Rudy Gobert going to be in the conversation. Anthony Davis probably going to be in the conversation. Um, I went with. Through the young season, Bam Adebayo. Nice. That's a He's been solid playing solid pick. for Miami. Solid Miami's pick. been really good on defense so far this year, and I think he's been a big part of that. I respect nice. that so a lot. A great
2: pick. I wonder I if we all have teams. the same
3: coach yeah. as well. Uh, I think there might be a chance that two of us have the same. Um, anybody not go with Monty Williams? I want Frank Bogle. Okay. I, mean, I went with okay, Monty Williams. You. Justin, who you got?
4: I got Monty as well. Okay, yeah.
3: Monty's... It's such a unbelievable,
4: unbelievable Monty. coach,
3: unbelievable I love human. So much, uh, solid dude. Ten of ten. He's Phoenix a phenomenal is, job.
2: Um, and Phoenix
3: is playing well.
2: I would vote for him for coach of the year, but sometimes um, I
3: feel like coach of the year, uh, trends more towards teams that overachieve. Yep. Uh, and and to me, like Taylor, I get yours, but yep. to me, it's just so hard for the Lakers to overachieve. Um, yep. You know, I think there is an infinitely larger percent chance that the Lakers fire Frank Vogel than Frank Vogel once Coach of the Year. No, I, I you know, <laughs> I think and, and it, right. it's just, I it's, just mean like the award. I didn't expect
2: Luca, or <laughs> goodness, sorry. I didn't expect the Lakers. <laughs> I'm reading ahead on my notes. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Um, I did not expect the Lakers to be first in the West playing so well, certainly on. I expected them to be—if you guys go and listen to our um, preseason um, predictions, I predicted the Lakers to be, like, fourth and then eventually be in the Western Conference Finals. I thought it would take them that long, uh, but they haven't yet. And now a lot of that could be LeBron, and that's a good point. But I feel like Vogel's done a really good job uh, managing all that personnel. and um, So I, I have him there right now just because of— of rankings, but I think Monty's... I mean, I would love, love if Monty won that award. So, Taylor already showed us his Spoiler hand alert. on MVP. <laughs> Luka Doncic, MVP. You are wrong if you believe otherwise. Hey,
3: just so you know, <laughs> mine is also Luka. Yep. that
2: yeah, Oh, did you go Luka go. as well? My yep. guys. Hell yes. My guys. So, should I read yes. my stats or no? Yes, please. <laughs> the only 30? active players... Who have 30, had 10, and 10. Yep. He's averaging 30, 10, and 10. And the only and players 20 years old. who have had streaks of at least four games of 30, 10, and 10, that is uh, Luca, Russ, Harden, and this this one guy, you guys might have heard of him. I don't know. Maybe not. His name is Michael Jordan. Um, so this Luca kid who's only 20, 20 years old, by the way, seems kind of decent at the game of basketball. Crazy. Crazy insane so hey
3: so i was actually having this conversation earlier this evening with some family members yep if i told you right now you had to bet um you had to bet like the the amount of your mortgage oh. on this over under um what are you taking <gasps> luca mvps for his career two and a half you going over or under
2: oh that's such a great over under damn it um that's tough. I'm going I think under. he's going to be the best player in the league in two oh, years. I I agree with that. I'm just saying I'm going under like because that. it seems like Seth Curry, for example, has two MVPs. Like, yeah. are we going to see another Seth MVP after? I thought he was going to get it this year. I really did, but he's not. Um, yeah, what joke's on you, buddy? I ex- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's going to come back and just show me wrong. I'm going like two MVPs for, for Doncic. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I with would- you.
4: I would lean under as well. Not because I don't think he'll be deserving in more than two seasons, but right. because I think it's hard to
3: its, all it's hard to
4: win the, the award that many times. Great
3: point. So I don't know if you guys know this. Basketball reference uh, puts players' nicknames.
4: Yes. Oh, Luke I,
3: I definitely know that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Luca Matador, Cool Hand,
3: The Dawn. Cool
2: Hand Luke. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. I didn't know that was a thing. I'm gonna use uh, that. I love that. This is such a great movie. Uh, the that?
3: Dawn. I like The Dawn a lot. The Dawn's a wonder good boy one. and Swaggy L, which I hate. Swaggy, Swaggy is ridiculous, L yeah. is the worst. Yeah. I'm, Luke gonna, I'm is, gonna start calling him The oh,
2: Dawn. Perfect. The Dawn's also great.
3: Yeah. All right. Um, well, nice. Let's uh, let's revisit this conversation come yeah. like trade deadline and yeah. see. Keep your guys's lists. And let's see if our our lists are the same or different, um, come trade deadline. I think that'll be fun. Uh, so, guys, last thing before we get off of the podcast today, and I'm going to throw us on a little bit of uh, a little bit of music behind this. Thanksgiving coming up. This is our last group podcast, our last weekly pod before Thanksgiving gets here. So, I thought we'd do a quick over and unders over not overs and unders overrateds and <laughs> underrateds for thanksgiving so any any uh thanksgiving hot takes you guys have uh just throw them out i guess i'll get a start i already said it <laughs> stuffing
2: overrated it's not i'm very with good. you i am very That's, much with you like overrated. that is a it, trash take it's uh, it's fine Are you but it's i have a question not necessary
4: okay. is it like from the box stovetop stuffing I, or is it like i've the had homemade both stuff i've had doesn't both. doesn't matter
2: it does matter it matters deeply it, it matters and i'm still like in this either way i'm not i'm not huge on the stuffing hmm. that's a shame <laughs> i've got another so, one for you guys another yeah, overrated here is uh the cranberries very overrated Cranberry sauce overrated
4: I'm gonna quit this pod I'm going to quit. Overrated. <laughs> rated. Justin so, disowns us. <laughs> so, again, it goes back to, is it homemade or is it like the weird jelly out of the can? Both. I literally no. have
2: had both. Okay. I come so from a I very have... homemade family who makes all the homemade <laughs> stuff and I've had both and I'm not a fan. <laughs> I pulled this up earlier
4: today. So y'all know what Time Hop is where it shows oh, yeah. you like old tweets oh, and yeah. posts and stuff. Yep. Three years ago today. I tweeted, Cranberry sauce is the best part of Thanksgiving. There is no debate. The rest of you are wrong. Well, Immediately Justin followed so by. so disappointed in me right and now. And guess what one <laughs> item was missing from my family's Thanksgiving spread, SMH. <laughs> that is hilarious. I
2: am a cranberry sauce stan. Okay, uh, give Justin, give us. We're all wrong at some in stuff. It. It's okay. Give us your underrateds. <laughs> we need some underrateds here. I have another overrated that you guys are going to just like hate I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go it.
4: under underrated is the uh the sweet potato casserole. Okay,
2: now we're talking. My man. My fiance <laughs> sweet. loves sweet potatoes. Uh, uh overrated. A marshmallows
3: on just top. casseroles in general.
2: Okay, oh that's fair. Like are you? It depends it depends though. You're talking I green like bean don't even casserole, know and I'm all in. Casseroles, all in. That's I love and and I
3: also feel like casseroles are like very white. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> right like very it, much dude. so gotta own it yeah hey hey so underrated because my family doesn't do this Uh, Maybe again because they're white. I don't know. (laughs) Mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. I was going to mention this.
2: Yes. So
3: underrated. Mac and cheese is so damn good. Me and Jacob have the most similar Thanksgiving
2: taste ever. Yes, I'm all in. Taylor, you just want (laughs) to come over for Thanksgiving this year, bro? (laughs) Yes, let's do Thanksgiving together. Screw the casseroles. (laughs) uh, Mac and cheese.
4: No cranberry sauce. (laughs) You guys are going to pick up some chicken tenders while you're at it? Yes. Shit, might as well. (laughs) It's going to be a good night. Uh, you know who are, people are monsters is the ones that serve salad at Thanksgiving. Okay, yeah. Yes. Like, not Get that. Trash I'm with out you of there. there. With you there. No, thank you.
3: With you there. Uh, also, um, I guess this one would be overrated. Um, box bought or, or store bought rolls.
2: Yeah. Mm, I want the homemade stuff. And homemade. for my entire
3: yeah. life, I have thought that my grandma's rolls at Thanksgiving were homemade and... And one year I said, she "Man, we're all you. we're all out of rolls." And Grandma said, "Just get some more out of the freezer." And I was like, "What the hell are you talking about, Grandma? You don't store rolls in the freezer." If we're out, we're out. She was like, "No, just get them out of the bag." And I was like, what do "You mean get them out of the bag?" <laughs> found out awesome. they're not homemade. Oh, heartbreak, dude. Okay, so I've had a similar a experience. What? What's my, not a lie?
2: But my grandma has. Just even my? Am I adopted? Yeah. Right. <laughs> my grandma like usually makes homemade rolls and they're the best but there's been like a couple years here recently she's getting old grandma darn it where she she has done the frozen rolls i was so upset so upset but one thing okay underrated one thing that our family does every single year homemade pecan rolls c- pecan cinnamon rolls they are the greatest thing ever That's so, oh, hey, so I- good i will go to bat for cinnamon rolls i love cinnamon rolls family recipe so we do that like you know that's awesome that night um once everybody's kind of not like hungry obviously but doesn't want a full-on meal again we do uh pecan rolls so i feel like we have to ask the question of turkey
4: here we versus go. Ham. here we go turkey
2: versus ham this is my hot yeah. take it's,
3: okay
2: it's, let's hear it i'm going ham I mean, like you have to have turkey on Thanksgiving, but ham is the best. Yeah. That's my hot take. It,
4: ah, yeah, I stand for turkey. Yeah, as well. I like them both. I just I mean, prefer right. the
2: turkey. I don't dislike turkey. I'm just saying give ham me is that the best. And I'm gonna give, I'm gonna get like more ham than I do turkey. Going
4: back to white people things, right? <laughs> the reason you don't like turkey. Is because you're eating the white meat. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta get that dark meat. That's where all the flavor is. Hey, s- speaking fair. of
3: the turkey, and you better have a lot underrated of underrated, smoked, and or fried turkeys. Yes. Okay. Get out of here with that oven
2: cooked bullshit. That uh, I've. <laughs> Dry oh, it yeah. Out. No, that's fair. Um, I. Yep. Throw that bad boy turkey, in the Jacob? smoker, cook his ass up. That is. what you scary. say to smoke one? Um,
3: I've tried to get my family to let me smoke the turkey, yes. but they won't because they want to cook it in the little turkey cooker from the 1960s exactly. that they made during that's the damn Cold remember. War.
2: <laughs> so, but this is also the guys. family that thinks peppers too there. hot. So, oh. <laughs> this is what I'm dealing Kamiar with. Kamiar would be so upset right now. I know. That man is throwing on, like, cayenne pepper. Kamiar's probably Ghost listening to this podcast right now screaming at us. Exactly. I think
4: Kamiar's team ham, for what it's worth. So, uh, he probably is screaming. Uh, also,
2: smoked I'm, turkeys. We're, I won't but, say the F word because I'm going to um, try and save Jacob a little bit of time here. So, we're going late here on a Sunday night. But... F, whoever that person was who responded to Kamiar, who's extremely racist on Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah, made, we got made that guy really upset. Oh, we did, we did, but that made me really upset. Really yep. upset get the racists out of here. That's right. As we talk about <laughs> white people, shit <laughs> but it's fine. We're like, yeah, we're discriminating uh, against ourselves. It's cool.
3: Um, <laughs> underrated the Thanksgiving night, making you some toast rip up the pieces of toast throw them on the plate reheat the turkey put it on top of the toast pour some gravy on top of all of it
2: oh i like that idea. i don't know what I you call have it have but, it's freaking but i like good. it I like it. I like it
3: underrated try it out just tell me try it out i will overrated brown gravy yeah white gravy i love white,
4: white gravy. gravy at thanksgiving they, <laughs> I, dude my you know, family right, won't do right. it but
3: i white gravy is good on anything I would I, drink white I gravy just straight, just that. shoot the shit. <laughs> I, I <laughs> right down the hatch.
2: Let's go. <laughs> I love white gravy, especially if it's homemade. Like that's my yeah. Oh I'm yeah. All, biscuits and gravy is like one of my probably my single favorite breakfast slash, slash brunch food. Um, so I would I'd be down to try it with some turkey or ham. But I'm into. I feel like you've got to have some. You you've got to have some dark. I don't. Yeah, I like the dark gravy as well. So I'm like yeah. I'm you guys cool got anything that. else for this? That's all I've got.
3: Favorite dessert
4: oh. for Thanksgiving specifically.
3: Oh, that's, that's a difficult so one. I, I so I don't go traditional like pumpkin pie or like yeah. pecan pie. See, but I do so like we, we, we we had a little Thanksgiving get together with one side of the family tonight, and I made a dessert. It's a, uh, it's got an Oreo crust, mm. it's got some cream cheese, peanut butter, um mm. butterfinger bits, Sounds uh, great. layer. And then a chocolate pudding layer and then a whipped cream with crunched up Butterfinger on top. Yes it was that good that's amazing that it awesome. was good. fantastic just telling you um, it was good so my family i, I already
2: some... mentioned this was uh, the pecan maple cinnamon rolls or whatever they do um i think
3: you just added great. another ingredient yeah maple. Oh, i'm kind like to mention a... to ask again to <laughs> pecan again. Maple, maple raisin cinnamon rolls <laughs> also if you put raisins and cinnamon rolls you should be shot on site i don't like raisins <laughs> you I'm might you be a member of isis with you there yep <laughs> so my mom makes a
4: it sounds very pretentious but it is a sweet potato creme brulee. Oh, that sounds that so good! <laughs> incredible! It is so it just tastes like Thanksgiving, and it's fantastic. That's awesome! I like that.
3: I'm into now I'm it. Now hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Right, no kidding. Yeah. No crap. Right. I'm. I'm ready for. I'm ready for those leftovers.
2: Hey, hey! I'm thankful for you guys. Thankful for the uncontested Aww. and I'm thankful for our listeners. But seriously though, you guys have become very good friends of mine, and I'm thankful for you guys. Ditto. Retweet. Up. <laughs> I say like, Justin's like over there tearing up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, uh, do you guys have any more basketball thoughts before I pump some outro music and get us out of here?
4: Think the Thunder are going to get their first road dub tomorrow? Gosh, I hey, yeah, hope so. They better. Hey, they're going to
3: win two road games in a row. Because they've got the trash Portland Trailblazers coming up, and I cannot wait to see Darius Baisley run circles around Carmelo Anthony. Oh, my (laughs) gosh, Oh, I'm
2: so excited for it. So excited. Yes. Who's the better number seven in Thunder (laughs) history?
3: (laughs) I'm into it. All right. Well, hey, like Taylor said, we are super thankful for you guys for checking out our podcast. For for To our ride or dies who have been with us since day one, to the people who have joined this season, to those of you who just tuned in for your first ever episode with us, um, you guys rule. We appreciate you. Make sure that if you haven't already, just go ahead and click that subscribe button on this podcast because we're pumping out pods after every single Thunder game and a weekly podcast every Monday morning for you. So we've got you guys covered for the entire season. Also, check these dudes out on Twitter. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Myself, I'm at ThunderMob405. And the podcast is at the underscore uncontested. Handful of games up on deck for the Thunder. Uh, They do not play... Thanksgiving day. Nobody plays Thanksgiving day. That's football day, but we are bookending Thanksgiving with a Wednesday and a Friday game with the thunder. So make sure you're following along you and get those post game pods. You guys have a great holiday week. Uh, hopefully you're off work. If you're not off work, just don't work and enjoy your holiday. Uh, I hope you enjoy <laughs> all the great Thanksgiving food. We will be back with you guys. You'll hear us again. Um, I guess tomorrow, tomorrow, which is, if you're listening today,
2: Monday night. This man that, has got you guys covered.
3: Yep, the Thunder versus the Golden State Warriors out in the, not Oracle anymore, the, the, the new arena. Chase so, Center. The Chase Center. So we'll chat with you guys then. Have a great Monday. Thunder up.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard.